0: Alright, we are good to go. Okay, y'all thank you again for joining us today. As the handouts are being passed around, I'll uh, refer to them in just a little bit, or tell you a little bit about them. Last week, we had talked about some Bible study questions and some Bible study um, study tools. And uh, so the one handout that Jerry is passing around is some questions that you can ask yourself that might help you give uh, or might help give you some some better, some more in-depth Bible study. There's also some resources on there. The two books I highly recommend. Some of you have said that you already picked those up and I got them on a Black Friday deal, so that's good. Those are Old Testament background commentary and New Testament background commentary. And then the website is bibleproject.com. They do a lot of uh, great, short, animated videos that help r- really helpfully explain big ideas. And they have different themes and things like that that run through. And so that is what Jerry is passing around. What uh, Linnea has passed around is, um, Carolina, do you need, uh, did you get a handout? All right, there you go. Well, Linnea passed around is actually what we're going to do today because this class is titled Exploring Our Strange Bible. And I've been using this word strange simply to highlight that the Bible has some peculiarities in it, has some oddities in it. And um, it's helpful for us to know that. It's also helpful for us to be aware that you know, when people... Sometimes people will challenge the Bible... And they'll say, well, did you know this, 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 and this? I bet you didn't know that. It's like, well, actually, your Bible's not hiding any of that stuff from you. It just, you might not be aware. So, if everybody's got their uh, multi-page handout, let's take a look at that one entitled, That's Not in My Bible, Why Our Bible Verses Are Sometimes Different. Some of you might have uh, grown up using something like the King James Version of the Bible, Others of you might have grown up not reading a Bible. So the King James is uh, not very familiar. it sounds it reminds you of high school Shakespeare, because they were written during the same time. So anyway, if you have an actual Bible with you, or a Bible app or actual Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to take a look at some things. And I would like uh, some audience participation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the, as, as you're turning there, um, Paul's letter to the Corinthians is the first one that we have. He refers to a previous letter in there. So this might not be the very first letter Paul ever wrote to the churches in Corinth, but this is the first one we have. Paul is um, responding to some questions they sent him. Beginning in uh, chapter 7, he says, Now concerning about the things you wrote, and so then like, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter uh, 11, chapters 12 through 14, go through all that, and then chapter 13, right, the famous chapter about love, is a sandwiched in a, gu- a discussion of spiritual gifts. So, let's take a look. Can uh, somebody read for us, please? Tell us, uh, read for us, tell us what version you have, what translation you have, and read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. Just verse 3. Tell us what version you have and verse 3. And let's have a handful of folks do this. Jamie, yeah. Uh, I have the NIV right here. Okay.
1: And if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast not have I gain
0: nothing. Okay, that, is, that sounds like the new NIV, the one from 2011, I think. Um Somebody else? Yeah, Rory. I've got the new American standard. Okay. And if I give all of
1: my possessions to people for it, forward, if I surrender my body to be burned, I do not have
0: love, I'm talking to Did y'all notice the difference there? Jamie said, my give my body over so that I may boast. Rory said that I may be burned. Um, let's see, Adrian, you had your hand up too. Would you tell us what translation you have? Um,
1: I have the New Living Translation. Okay. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I
0: didn't love others, I would have been a Right. Uh, in uh, in the New Living Translation, it did not mention anything about burning. It mentioned boasting. Yeah, Adrian, our other Adrian. Yeah. <laughs>
1: temporary English version. Okay. It says, What if I gave away all that I owned and let myself be burned alive? I would
0: gain nothing unless I loved others. Okay. So we've got, uh, out of the four that we've had, two mention boasting as a result of giving away everything, two mention being burned as a result of giving away everything. Uh, Gavin, did you have your hand up? Yes. That's yeah. What I no, no, uh, please take it away. ESV. if I give
1: away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not loved, I gave nothing. All
0: right, it's another one for burned. Uh, let's hear one more just for a good measure. Uh, Randall, I saw your hand up a minute ago. Why don't you take it away, sir? Okay, yeah, yeah, all right, what is going on here? We have two, we have translations that are easily accessible either online or you can go down to Mardell's, right, you can find those. We have two different translations, take a look at your handout here, I've got actual either photocopies or scans or pictures of print bibles that i had access to take a look at the very first one the niv the version that uh, if you remember the niv from 36 37 years ago right 1984 version you can see here that it says very clearly in verse 3 if i give all i possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Now down in that same picture at the bottom right corner, you see a little red circle there. That is a little footnote explaining something about this text. I have enlarged that, and it's in kind of the peach-colored box right there in the middle of that picture of that page. It's a little notation F. It says, verse 3 next to it, Some early manuscripts, and then in italics, Body that I may boast. All right? So we just read the ESV here. Gavin had his on his phone, but you can see the print version of the ESV on the bottom of that page. Similar kind of thing here. You heard verse 3 read for us? Yeah. I've got the, uh, that red circle. I enlarged that. And sorry, it's not great quality. But it says some manuscripts, and then in italics it has what it uh, would read in some of these other manuscripts, deliver up my body to death, meaning the implied as death, that I may boast. If you turn to page two, we'll see some other things. And these are... These are translations that are readily accessible, right? These are not fringe translations, right? This is not the, this is not the KBV, okay, right? This is not the Kevin Burr version. These are the uh, ones that you can find. The, um, some of these, though, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I wanted to make, point out one more thing. Turn back to page one, I'm sorry about that. Turn back to page one, apologies. Uh, Look at the top there. The two different readings represented in these English translations. The idea about burning is here in the King James Version, the New King James Version, the ESV, meaning the English Standard Version, the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, and the 1984 edition of the New International Version. All right. And so we saw a couple of those here. Now we can turn back to page two. Take a look at the bullet point at the top of page two, that open bullet point. Some other, and pretty easily accessible Bible translations. Instead of saying burn, they say boast. The new revised standard version, that's the picture that I've got here below that. The common English Bible and the 2011 edition of the New International Version. Quick question. How many of y'all have noticed this before this morning? A Couple of folks, okay, a few folks, all right. So it's fair to say that this is new information to maybe several of us, all right, so here's Probably what's going on. How did these different readings arise? Well,
1: well goodness, they're not fundamentally different. Always giving itself up and uh, the one want to genuinely give my body to worship.
0: Yeah.
1: Look <coughs> at the way it is, they gave up. Right. It's, yeah. it's not, not
0: like a, you
1: got a big color issue.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not
1: Oh, no, right, yeah. The
0: difference doesn't cause any change in doctrine. Right. And that's an, that's an important point to, to maybe start off with. We've seen here in, in printed Bibles very clearly some difference. But how many of us would look at this and say, oh, man, my faith in the resurrection of Jesus is now shaken. Uh, that's, uh, that's a non sequitur, okay? That the conclusion doesn't follow from the premise. We don't need to take that leap. But when we see some of these things, there's actually pretty reasonable explanations for why something like this might have occurred. All right, easy question. In what language was the New Testament originally written? Greek. Greek. All right, Greek. Did I hear somebody say Aramaic? Portions of the Old Testament. Yeah, portions of the Old Testament. Chances aren't Jesus and his uh, followers were speaking Aramaic, but as far as we know, the earliest written records of what they were doing were all in Greek. Sean, so, so glad you brought that up.
1: Jesus,
0: do you love Was he speaking Aramaic or Greek? Yeah, that's, uh, Mike's asked a good question. When, when Jesus, says, particularly there in, in Peter with Peter, was he saying, do you love me? Is he speaking Aramaic or Greek? Chances are they were probably speaking Greek, but I bet most of those guys, or chances are they're probably speaking Aramaic, I bet most of them knew some Greek, because Greek was just the common language of commerce. Latin was the language of the empire, and you only had to learn that enough to say rude things about the centurions behind their backs. (laughs) Another, yeah. Yeah, that's um, exactly how all that works out. Yeah, Is a good conversation for another time. Right. In Greek, so the language that this was originally written, there's only two letters difference between the word burn and boast, but they sound very similar. Okay, they sound very similar. For boast, it's kaukesomai, for burn, it's kaucesomai. Did you hear the difference there? <laughs> exactly. For boast, it's calcasomai, and for burn, it's calthasomai. That's it. Now, when you and I hear someone talking, chances are most of us think about, if we're really paying attention to what they're saying, or especially if we have the aids of like screens and stuff on the wall, right? We'll see those words. That spelling is standardized, despite you know some changes in pronunciation. We tend to think, uh, when we think about words, it's not uncommon, at least for me, to think about how it's spelled. But in a culture where maybe, maybe ten percent had any degree of literacy in terms of being able to write, very. F- you know, very few being able to read, very few being able to write, chances are they're paying more attention to the sounds rather than thinking, okay, this this letter shouldn't be a chi, it should be a theta or something like that. And so it's very easy for someone to just mishear and as they're copying down what Paul wrote, if I'm reading it to you and you're writing it down so I can make a copy for my Christian friends in the next town over so they can have a copy of Paul's letter, That's a very simple accident to make. But here's something else, too. Remember last week, Mark's sermon, when he was talking about 2 Timothy, and he mentioned the Roman emperor who first started persecuting Christians. Does anybody remember his name, That Roman emperor? Emperor Nero, right? Paul has written 1 Corinthians a few years before that. And gradually first Corinthians begins to be recognized as authoritative for churches, and so Christians in Corinth are making a copy of it, and they send it up north to Philippi. And they send it over to Athens and they send it elsewhere. And as Christians are making copies of this, then begins this persecution in Rome. Christians are what's happening to Christians? What is Nero doing to Christians? burning them. He's burning them. And so while Paul is sitting here saying in his letter that he can give all of his possessions away, so he enabled to, in order to boast about how great a thing he has done, right? That's, That's hypothetical, okay? Paul's saying that if he can do that and boast about it, as Christians are reading this and they're seeing what's happening to their brothers and sisters and Nero, it begins to make sense that as some of them are reading this, they're thinking, oh, maybe Paul maybe Paul must have meant burned. Maybe Christians are, Christians are being burned here. Maybe Paul meant burn, not boast. It's, a, it's an easy typo, right? If you're handwriting of might not be the best word, but it makes sense. It's an easy way to see, oh, if Christians are in the process of being burned, well then yeah. I can see how why, I can see why some Christians are reading this and they might think, I, I don't you know, maybe the guy who was writing this copy for me didn't maybe he wasn't paying attention closely enough. Maybe he meant burned. But when Paul said, maybe Paul actually meant boast instead, and other Christians later thought, yeah, but look what happened to these Christians in Rome, surely, surely burned is what they meant here. Some of this is kind of new to us, but what I want you to see is on this handout where I've given you scans or pictures of these texts, sure. Sure. There is a difference. Is this, is this a, a major doctrinal difference, though? Is this something that you would look at and think, the whole foundation of Christianity is, is turned upside down now? I would hope not. Actually, the point's the same either way. If yes. You do, you give everything you have or be burned, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. Exactly. That, the point's the same either way. Exactly. Mike's exactly right. The point is the same, ultimately. But I want you to be aware if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, you can't believe the Bible, it's got all these contradictions in it. Okay, buddy, let's talk about what those contradictions are. The difference is, is minuscule. The point is still, like Mike said, about love. And whether you give all of your possessions away... So you can boast about how generous you are or whether you give your body away so that you end up being burned as a martyr. If you're burned as a martyr, but you don't have love for your brother and sister in Christ, it profits you nothing. If you give away millions of dollars to your brothers and sisters in Christ, but you don't have love for God, it profits you nothing. Paul's point is the same. right? right? Let's move on to one that is a little bit uh, weirder. If that one wasn't weird enough, that was just kind of a little taste. Turn to Mark chapter 16, please. Let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Again, your Bibles are not hiding anything from you, especially if you have a print Bible. If you have a print Bible that is a little bit newer than, say, King James or the New King James. Now take a look at your Bibles. Um, For those of you who have phones, there might be some brackets around or something like that. Take a look at Mark chapter 16, verse 8. Mark chapter 16, verse 8. I'll read that uh, from the ESV. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, period. Does anybody have anything after verse 8? Several of us, okay, right? David, what do you have uh, after verse Um, 8? Just tell us what it is, you don't have to read it.
1: Okay, yeah. And this is the Holman-,
0: Holman. Christian Standard, oh, okay. Do you have any note in there that says anything about
1: verses 9 through
0: 20? Yeah, it says that uh, basically that earlier manuscripts did not include verses 9 through 20. Okay. Or so the words of 9 through 20, since Uh Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, when. David said the word manuscripts when his Bible uses that term manuscript. That's a technical term for a handwritten document, right? Who invented the printing press? Gutenberg. At least he's the guy that popularized it, right? That was not until a thousand plus years after this. So, of course, if you're a Christian in Corinth... And you want to share one of Paul's letters that he wrote to your churches with the Christians up north of you in Philippi, how could y'all, ex- what would you have to do in order to each have a copy? You'd have to hand write it out. You'd have to hand write it out. And so, Greek, uh, the New Testament, has an overwhelming number of these handwritten copies that far surpass anything else from the ancient world. All right, quick show of hands. Anybody heard of the Odyssey? Okay, right, the Iliad. Okay, yeah, we've, a lot of us have heard of these classics from Homer and other folks. There are embarrassingly few handwritten copies of those from the ancient world, and they're hundreds of years removed from the time of the original writing. But the New Testament has thousands and thousands of handwritten copies. Most of which are later, a few hundred years later, but several of which are only maybe a hundred. Some maybe even 50 years later. That is extraordinary in the ancient world. And so when we're talking about these manuscripts that don't have These verses, we're talking about these handwritten things. All right, take a look at this on your handout. Take a look at the short and long endings of Mark, that second bullet point near the bottom. It says KJV and NKJV. Okay, so the King James Version and the New King James Versions, they include the long ending. And that's Mark Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. And I have for you here the King James Version all the way uh, to the end of page 2 here. Right down there to verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. That's not a typo. That's how it is in the King James. Everywhere is now one word these days. But the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Period. That is how the Gospel of Mark ends in the King James Version and in the New King James Version. But flip over to page three of the handout, and we'll, uh, we'll see a couple of, uh, couple of things here. So I've got two pictures for you. I chose both of these Bibles because the New International Version and the New American Standard Bible have, are very different translations. They're very different. And they both give you these indications here in the text, right here in the middle of the columns. And I've circled them in red, and I've enlarged them so you can see what's going on. Take a look at the top picture there. This is from the New International Version, the 1984 edition. The earliest manuscripts, meaning these handwritten copies, and some other ancient witnesses, meaning people who are talking about Scripture do not have Mark 16, 9 through 20. There it is, right there in the middle of the text. They're not trying to hide it from you. Take a look at the New American Standard, so the second picture on there. I've circled it in red. It's in the little center column there. But again, it's plain for you to see That in, in that uh, enlarged peach-colored box. Verse 9... Later MSS, all right, so that's abbreviation for manuscripts. Later manuscripts add verses 9 through 20. Okay? Turn with me to page 4 of the handout. And I've given you not pictures, but the actual text of three more different Bible translations that include these footnotes after Mark chapter 16, verse 8. The new revised standard version mentions, you can see it there, some of the most ancient authorities bring the book to a close at the end of verse 8. One authority concludes the book with the shorter ending. Here's a shorter ending. Some of you might have this printed Like maybe under a heading that says something like, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene in in your Bibles. And all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterward, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west, the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. That's a short and sweet little ending there to the Gospel of Mark. That's what they mean when they say the shorter ending here. At the top bullet point, on page four of the handout. Some include, so I'm on the middle line there, the shorter ending, and then inclu- continue with verses nine through 20, uh, and so on. You can see the second bullet point after chapter 16, verse eight, the English Standard Version. Some manuscripts end the book with sixteen eight, Others include verses nine through 20 immediately after verse eight, and so on. The third bullet point, This is the 2011 edition of the New International Version. Again, they have this little note here. They're talking about about how this how the Gospel of Mark ends in the earliest handwritten Greek copies that we have of the Gospel of Mark. Now this is really weird and potentially traveling, to some folks because there's some things, that, there's a lot. This is not the difference of one word, right? This is several verses. But there are some specific things that are mentioned in Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. I'm going to read those for you. I'll read from the ESV, Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. I'll read these quickly. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and he had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Verse 12. After, after these things he appeared in another form to two of them, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Verse 14. Afterward he appeared to the leaven themselves, as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Okay. We read that, like, yeah, that's familiar. Here's the thing. The best guess that a lot of New Testament teachers have dedicated believers is that the Gospel of Mark... Take a look at Mark 16, 8. The Gospel of Mark, if you were to end it at 16, 8, that is a weird ending. All right? Look at this. I'll uh, I'll, I'll back up to verse 6. They see an angel, right? Okay, and the angel says to them, Do not be alarmed you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, period, into the gospel. What? Does that seem like a weird place to end this to you? Obviously, they told somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, logically, right? Obviously, they told somebody. Mike has brought up an interesting conjecture here, and I think it is plausible. Perhaps, perhaps the original ending of the Gospel of Mark got lost early on. Because, man, this is a strange place to end it. Unless Mark has decided to end it on a cliffhanger with this notion that, They didn't tell anyone because they were afraid. But what about you? That is also possible. But it seems really strange, considering how the other three Gospels end, it seems really strange that Mark would end it with, they didn't tell anybody because they were terrified. So, the best guess that I and others who have studied this a lot longer than I have, is this. Chances are the original ending of the Gospel of Mark might have been lost. And Christians throughout the years were reading this, and they kept thinking, man, this is a weird ending. This doesn't make any sense. Surely, surely Mark must have meant something more. Surely, they eventually went and told somebody. They had to, because we see the other Gospels reported as well. We we have the book of Acts. We know they told people. Surely there is more going on here. And so, well meaning, faithful Christians said, Look, we've got like, to, th- this isn't how it should have ended. And so, this ending in verses 9 through 20 is put together. Now, here's the thing let's take a look. Page 4 on your handout right here in the middle of the page, the bullet point that says some specific things mentioned in Mark 16, 9 through 20. Some of us might get, understandably, some of us might get a little antsy about, what do you mean this isn't written by the the evangelist Mark? What are you trying to tell me, Kevin? Well, I'm trying to tell you you don't need to worry, because like we saw with 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, There's nothing in these verses that has anything to do with any major core doctrine of Christianity. Even in the stuff that we just read from Mark chapter 16, verses 6 and so, it says very clearly, right? Jesus is risen. Take a look at this bullet point here on page 4. Some specific things mentioned in Mark 16, 9 through 20. There's nothing in these verses except maybe one little thing that we can't find anywhere else in Scripture. Verses 9 through 14, okay? That first uh, open bullet point there. Resurrection appearances. Like what we see in Matthew, Luke, and John. Yeah? This stuff... That Mark may not have written himself, but that faithful Christians looked at and thought this belongs here. This is the proper way to end a gospel. Well, we see we see all this, all these resurrection appearances. Okay, Um, quick question. Jesus encounters two people on the road to Emmaus. What gospel does that come from? I'm hearing a couple of people say something that sounds like... No. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. Okay, okay, okay. What do you think? Luke? I heard Luke. Okay. Luke is correct. Take a look at Matthew... Oh, excuse me. Mark 16, 12, and 13. The heading, read, Jesus appears to two disciples who are on the road walking into the country. I can't help but wonder if the Christians who put this together knew this story from Luke and shrank it and summarized it. Two random guys walking into the country. Emmaus is not a big town, okay? Emmaus is a village. They're walking out into the country. They're leaving the big city of Jerusalem. They're walking out into the country. I wouldn't be surprised to Again, the faithful Christians who were putting this together thought, yeah, that was really important. We need to include that. Take a look back at the handout, page 4, that second open bullet point there in the middle of the page. In verse 15, we've got a beautiful statement. Go and preach the gospel unto the whole world. That's the Great Commission, just like we have in Matthew chapter 28. Verse 16 there's a mention of belief and baptism. Well, guys, guess what? The New Testament's pretty clear about belief in baptism, and we don't have to go to Mark 16:16 16, 16 to find it. Acts 2:38, Romans chapter six. Paul mentions it elsewhere. Verses 17 and 18. There's all kinds of various signs accompanying the spread of the gospel. There's exorcisms. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Clear example of Paul casting out a a spirit of divination from a young girl. Speaking in tongues. Well, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Very clear example. We see early Christians doing this. Paul also mentions tongue speaking in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Mark 16, 17, and 18 mention that. This weird issue about snakes, they'll pick up serpents with their hands, Mark 16, 18. Paul doesn't really pick up the snake with his hand in Acts 28, but he's, he's reaching for firewood, and this viper comes up and, and gets him. And it's really funny to hear the crowd's reaction, because they're like, Oh, this guy, this guy thought he escaped justice, but it got him. The snake got him. Justice has been served. And they watch, and they wait for Paul to die. Well, he doesn't die. And so then they conclude the opposite. This guy's not a murderer. This guy must be a god. Right. This is the mindset of pagans. All right. There's nothing else in the New Testament about picking up snakes, okay? Sorry if you have Appalachian roots. <laughs> okay, this is not for you. There's this weird thing about drinking poison. Um, you know, if any of you are really interested in that, you could try some really weak coffee, I guess. But there's nothing in the New Testament about Christians knowingly drinking poison. All right, so that's, that's kind of strange. But look at the last thing mentioned here, that the square bullet point, healing, well, there's multiple occurrences in Acts. Verse 19, Jesus' ascension, like in Matthew, Luke, and John. Verse 20, all the stuff where they go out and preach everywhere. Yeah, that's the whole book of Acts. So what does Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20 actually say? Other than drinking poison, these verses that might not have been original, they don't say anything you can't find elsewhere in the New Testament. And so if this discussion of these verses, maybe not being the original ending of the Gospel of Mark, if that kind of weirds you out. Let me encourage you with this. There's nothing in here that isn't found in the New Testament except for that weird bit about poison. And really is poison, drinking poison, is that a central tenet of Christianity? Absolutely not. Tony, yes, sir. I was
1: going to say, in Psalms 12, uh, it's alluded to the fact that God has the power to preserve his word, mm-hmm. and it may not be historically found, but there may be, a, possibly, maybe a document sure. that we don't, or not aware, of historically, can see yeah. that was included in here from a manuscript yeah. uh, or two or whatever. Yeah. I don't, like you said, we don't really need the whole book of Acts talks about, you know, about baptism yeah. and faith and everything. But at the same time, it, it is kind of strange that that much of the passage would be made up. Right. You know, I mean, just throwing it in there, you know, Matthew 28 yeah, things like that, which the Great Commission, I, I believe, is here and there mm-hmm. uh, from Mark and from Matthew. But, I, you know, God has the power to preserve his word. Yeah. He can use anybody right. to preserve his word. Mm-hmm. Evil man, or, you know, uh, faithful people, anybody yeah. to keep his word intact. So that's
0: kind of what I put with that. Yeah. If if the gospel of Mark didn't really end at verse eight, but the original ending was lost, people still faithfully carried on the story people still faithfully carried on the story. Faithful Christians carried on the story and they were looking elsewhere. But it is very possible that Christians who heard Mark and heard Peter, they were aware of how that story ended. Yeah. Randall, I think think you've got our last comment here and then we'll wrap up. So make it count. A knowingly drinking poison? Or, no, not, not oh, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought I seen the first time that, but uh, unfortunately, the importance like, I've got in
1: my Bible doesn't have that. Doesn't right? conclude that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody might have gotten, you know, some bad, uh, like food poisoning or something, but they made it through. They're like, hey, look, <laughs> there you go. Guys, there's more on here, but we're out of time. So bottom line, I want to encourage you with this. Yes, there are some of these strange things in the Bible. No, your Bibles are not hiding them from you. We saw with plenty of pictures in this handout. They're right there. It's for you to see. And these things that have been added or might have been changed or whatever, absolutely not a single one of those things affects any central doctrine of Christianity. So with that, be encouraged. God is faithful to His Word, and His Word has been faithfully preserved. Appreciate y'all.